thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Kim Morrison, and I am all alone this week, but I'm not completely alone because, listeners, I have a very special and very beautiful guest. Her name is Marnie Perkinson. She is from New Zealand. I had the privilege and absolute pleasure to marry her to a very good friend of mine who's almost like another brother from another mother. Um, And they got married in New Zealand in December last year. And Marnie is an amazing woman. She has an incredible story. And I look forward to sharing her with you because I think you're going to be interested to know that she's a dietitian. Uh, She is a world Uh, class marathon runner she was she also has suffered with a thing called chronic fatigue and she's about to do cindy's changing habits course so i thought you guys might be keen to hear her story and how she has got to where she is today so my beautiful marnie welcome to the show (laughs) thank you kim nice to be here with you i know and it's a bit of a treat to have you all the way over from new zealand um can you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are. How did we get to know? How do we get to know Marnie? Oh, right. We'll go right back then. Um, so I grew up central North Island in the Bay of Plenty on a sheep, dairy, uh, cattle farm with two older brothers who actually spent a lot of the time away at uni- uh, sorry away at boarding school. So it was mostly me on my own at home with my horse. Oh. <laughs> so I started out there. 17, I moved down to Dunedin and did my degree in nutrition. And then uh, my postgraduate dietetics actually came up to Auckland to do that and then lived in Auckland pretty much ever since. So that's been 25 years. We've just moved an hour north recently. Um, so yeah, I studied to be a dietitian, worked as a dietitian in my own business in the gym in Newmarket for about four years, picked up competitive aerobics, which I think I'd probably got into so late, I started at 23 years old, because I was quite shy. I was the kid that right through university, whenever we had something we had to present in front of the class, I was sick. (laughs) I wouldn't come to those. Um, So by the time I got to Auckland, I thought, I've got to get over this. So I started lecturing nutrition. I started teaching aerobics, and then I started doing aerobics competitions, which absolutely terrified me, partly because we, back in those days, used to wear those natural colored tights with G-strings and crop tops. (laughs) So I did that for a while. Um, We got second at nationals one year, but I didn't really feel like I could go to the level that I wanted to and go to Worlds because I kept tearing hamstrings. Mm. Anyway, I've since figured out through body-mind connections why that might have happened and I think that kind of related to me Um, it was all about how far you prepared to go and I was at at that time trying to be the best sports dietitian and also trying to be the best athlete and you can't do both so it was a struggle between that so then um, I found running probably a year or so after I'd finished aerobics through a guy I was seeing um, who was an ex-junior triathlon champ so he got me into running And then I just 
absolutely loved it, tried lots of different styles of running, um, was suggested to me that I go down and do the New Zealand Mountain Running Champs. This was probably seven months after I'd started running at the age of 29. And um, I ended up second or third, I can't remember, second mm. or third. Mm. But anyway, I made the New Zealand team to go to Italy. Wasn't really that good at mountain running and then found marathons when I was about 31 and that's what I fell in love with. So so just for our listeners, I mean, most of our listeners would probably be sitting there saying that they don't really love running. Mm-hmm. Um, were you obviously a natural athlete who just found her place in the right place at the right time or had you given it thought before then? Were you good at cross country at school? Yeah, I was. I was actually right at cross country at primary school. Didn't really carry on and do anything at secondary school. Our, I really didn't find my the school that I was at was very pro sport of any kind. So I went through high school always doing a bit of fitness because I've always had this feeling that if I do something, whether it's a twenty minute jog, whether it's um, go out and ride my horse. Um, I'd go to aerobics classes with my mother. Doing something always made me feel better. Mm. Um, Yes, I think I probably had a bit of a natural ability, but really wasn't doing anything competitively, training for anything, until I found aerobics. Yeah. At the age of about 23. And you stopped that, and then you started your running. So just so our listeners (laughs) get an understanding of just how good you were at running... Um, tell us the steps or the races that you led into. So how did you get to being uh, chosen to run for New Zealand? Right, so the first race I did, um, I was put in a team. It was called the Tauranga Half Ironman. And as part of that, if you're in a team, the run section is a half marathon. So I got put in a team with, some people will know um, <laughs> this athlete, Sarah Ulmer, yes. an Olympic gold medalist cyclist. And Marissa Carter, who was Hamish Carter's wife. Now, she was four months pregnant, but an amazing swimmer. So by the time we got to the run leg, there was massive pressure on me to to keep our 20-minute lead. So I loved that event. And then got a coach who just said, look, let's start doing some track. So I did 800 metres, 1,500 metres, 5K, 10K. Really didn't enjoy going around in circles. It wasn't my gig. (laughs) (laughs) One big loop is really good for me. Um, and the mountain running was just a spur of the moment thing where I suggested to go down and, and do the race. So as I mentioned, that was probably seven months into my trialing different distances. I did okay in that in New Zealand because it was up and down and I was good on the downhill because I'm short. <laughs> Low centre of gravity, probably not so scared of falling and going fast downhills. But I really wasn't a good uphill runner. Mm-hmm. So I was in the top half when I went to the Worlds, but it didn't really float my boat. Um, and then 2003, I came over, I think I was about 32 at the time, did the Gold Coast Marathon, and that I just was on absolute high. I was in the top mm-hmm. 10, I ran a 248, I actually got some prize money, which I was astounded at, and I just thought, this is, this is what I want to do. So I actually gave up my full-time job not so long after that, and decided to focus on it and aim for the Olympics. Wow, and I think that's a journey in itself, because... I mean, first of all, to find your passion and perhaps your talent so late for an athlete is something in itself. Then you started training quite hard, and then you started leading up to um, to trialing for the Olympics. Tell us what happened next, and then how your body coped with this increase in training. Um, yeah, my body, I mean, I'd done pretty well. So basically, I'd done that one race. I didn't do another marathon until the next year. I came back and did Gold Coast. 
and I cut off um, just over six minutes, so it was 2.41 something that I did. Uh, uh, let, came... let, let's just, just say that again. I mean, <laughs> 2.41 for most most people that run would probably not even be able to conceive what that is to run. But the top qualifying time for a woman for the Olympics, could you tell us what that kind of time is? Well, look, 2.42 back then was actually the Olympic B standard, but New Zealand kind of set our sights at aiming to be able to race and become in the top 13 at the Olympics. So um, the qualifying time they set for the Athens Olympics, which is what I was aiming for back then, was 2.37. So the next year, after doing that Gold Coast, it was almost a year again, I decided to go to London, which because it was a really flat, fast course, good competitors, great conditions. And we sat with a pacemaker. There was a few of the Kiwis that went over there. And the pacemaker was sitting at 2.34 pace. And I felt fantastic. You know, I... I got to just about the halfway mark and then literally felt this sharp pain in my foot and kind of went, see ya, to Melissa Moon, who who I was running with, another Kiwi that was a friend, I'm out. (laughs) So what I realised after that was um, there's this thing called your plantar fascia, didn't know anything about that, and I'd torn it through the race. So there was several years after that where I really had to learn how to manage my body being a runner how to keep it strong, especially being an older athlete. And what I actually did find in the end was Pilates. And Mm -hmm. I started doing reformer Pilates about three times a week, and it really was the thing that got me through all of those injuries Mm -hmm. and made it right. So that took me from 2004 right up to 2008. Um, I was with a new coach then. We were trialing a few different things. One of the things didn't work so well, and that was um, doing, it was more like an Arthur Lydiard type program, and I think it was eight weeks out from the race, we did a 48k up-tempo run. Wow. Which I felt fantastic for, and then hit the wall completely. Wow. So didn't run well at that race. Um, I think it was another year after that, I'd got through a little bit of fatigue then, come right, um, and was we'd cut back my mileage to help with the injuries as well. So we cut back from about 140k to about 110, which sounds like a lot now, but it felt so good at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I had a 10k race when I was coming back, ran a personal best, won the race, and literally two days later got a virus, which was like a flu-type virus, and just got this incredible fatigue and muscular pain, as a lot of people do when they get the flu, but it didn't go. Mm. And so then I had a long period of time where I was trying to figure out what was causing that. Didn't seem to be a lot of understanding apart from a physio that I was seeing who was the head of AUT physiotherapy. And he said, it sounds like something systemic. And I said, that's exactly what it feels like. It's my entire body. It's my brain. It's my muscles. It's everything. I just, you know, I, I what year can't was this, Money. What so this was 2008. So they weren't really talking about autoimmune or any no. issues back then, were they? No. Okay. So and I'd done a nutrition degree, and really nothing that I had learnt at university was helping me through it. Is that right? Yeah. The medical profession didn't really know anything about it. My doctor at the time, and still to this day, doesn't acknowledge chronic fatigue. Um, I was sent to a specialist in New Zealand who was a doctor. Um, she helped with my sleeping issues. Because often hand in hand, um, you get a lot of insomnia, which of course doesn't help you recover from uh, fatigue. So I was having big issues with that and did end up taking um, 
I think it was a, it's not an antipsychotic, antidepressant, mm. a tricyclic antidepressant at a low dose to help me sleep. So that's one of the things that helped early on, but I didn't want to carry on mm. taking drugs mm. to get myself better. So I really searched um, through what would be considered alternative. I don't think it's really alternative medicine. Mm. <laughs> but I went to see chiropractors, osteopaths, biomedical nutritionists. I learned about gut health. Um, you know, I, I learned to do yoga and meditate and do things to try and simmer down my sympathetic nervous system because I think I'm probably more prone to getting anxious. I was definitely getting quite depressed and frustrated for the fact that I couldn't figure this out. And in the back of my head, I still wanted to get to the Olympics. Mm. And I, even though I would have been 44 for Rio Olympics, to me as a distance runner, that was still doable mm. if I could just get over this chronic fatigue. And you haven't, have you? I mean, you didn't completely <clears throat> fully recover. No. What has that done to you from a... Um, you know, a, a dietitian point of view or a nutritionist, someone who, I mean, you made the comment, I should know, I should know what's happening, I should know it, but does it make you appreciate that there's so much we don't know? There is, and I think, um, I really lost faith, I suppose, in nutrition for a while there, and I just gave up on everything. Um, but recently, you know, the more I've read and learned myself through different testing, through talking to people, is that there is all this new research coming out, and a lot of it is around um, you know the health of the gut, genetics, um, and my diet has it's almost been flipped on its head. So I was in that whole school of low fat eating. I was living on a very high carb diet. I had constant gut issues to the point where I had to go and get a colonoscopy, gastroscopies done. Nothing was diagnosed then. They said there was slight inflammation, but I didn't have celiac disease, so there was no problem. Um, but I knew that, again, what I was eating was just leaving me bloated, feeling feeling horrible. And the more I've looked into it, the more I feel like that's where everything probably first began. Mm. Um, through genetic testing, I've found out that I am in the bottom 10% of the population in terms of producing amylase, which is the, the enzyme that breaks down carbohydrates. So I shouldn't be eating mm. loads and loads of carbohydrate. And naturally, when I listen to my body... I just started steering away from those things. So I don't eat grains now. Mm. Um, I have very little carbohydrate in my diet. I have loads and loads of fat, including saturated fat, which, again, I never would have touched. And I've gone from the whole dietetics point of view where we used to really look at um, nutrient breakdown. And when I say nutrient breakdown, it was really calories, uh, low fat. I didn't care what the ingredients were. Mm. So I was having aspartame and... Um, you know, artificial sweeteners, preservatives, colorings, who cares? You were looking at the nutrient breakdown. Now I look at the ingredients and I don't care what the nutrient profile says. Yes, yeah, which is where I, it's a shame Cindy and Karen aren't with us because they would both be saying right now, you know, you're talking our language. Mm. And, you know, someone like Cindy who's been preaching this for probably close to 30 years and had people walk out of her lectures, um, someone like Karen who has biohacked herself, she's vegan. Uh, mainly through her ethical belief in the treatment of animals. Um, and she's tried to buy hack and test and see what she can do. And and then I look at someone like you who's qualified, who has gone into hospitals, who understands, and then on top of that you're a top athlete and you're still searching. So I always think our listeners to the show, like many people will say to us, where do I start or how do you know and what do you believe what, I mean, just recently I had an email from a lady saying, 
oh gosh, Kim, I've seen this article. My daughter's allergic. I thought to you know to dairy, so I've had I had on coconut. Now I've just seen this article from the AHA. I think it's the American Health Association that's come out saying that coconut oil is bad, that oh, vegetable gosh. oils is the best. And then you've got oh. these things of astroturfers and all these food companies that create scare tactics in order to keep their their products on the market, I guess. What would your advice to someone who is just is realizing their body's not at their healthiest, they've either got irritability or they're completely exhausted or they're moody or there's just they don't feel right what would be the first step to you well I think the thing that I've learned through all of this is that you've really got to listen to your own body you've got to start taking a little bit of responsibility for it and if you get an answer from someone that doesn't sit right with you and it's not working for you then you need to keep searching but our body does give us signals all the time in terms of you know whether we are heading down the route to getting very unwell we'll get lots of little signals first that will tell ourselves something's not right you know and it might be that your energy has dropped a lot you might be getting headaches your gut might not be functioning properly your skin is bad your hair is bad you know I had patches where I was losing so much hair as well Um, and it's just I think taking it a little bit into your own hands and not being afraid to go and see people that you might have thought were a little bit alternative because for me I think it's um, again what I've learned is what I will try if something is natural and it does no harm I'm going to give it a shot because what's the downside Mm. and what works for me might not work for you Mm. but there's also some really good testing around now so um, if you can talk to an integrative doctor and there's not a lot of them in New Zealand but we're getting more functional um, nutritionists they really try and get to the root cause of the issue rather than just looking at symptoms Mm. and putting you into a box that way and like I said a lot of it seems to come back to gut health and what we're doing there and again what is a sensitivity to, to one person is going to be fine for another so I've just recently had testing done which showed that a lot of these foods that I thought I was having that were really healthy, because they are for some people, potentially could be damaging my gut. So things like celery, I was juicing every day. Ginger, we all have been told to eat loads of ginger. Um, Chili powder, cayenne pepper, mushrooms, avocados. So some of these functional tests that we can do now actually give us a lot more information um, about our gut health as well, whether we potentially have, you know, a increased permeability in our gut so then setting up that whole autoimmune type conditioning which they believe chronic fatigue might be linked to now Mm. so yeah I think it's just listen to your body don't be afraid to um, get a second opinion go see someone else and if you can see a functional integrative type doctor I would so recommend it do you think though for some people when you say listen to your body I mean my teenage son said this to me one day yeah well my body's telling me I need a Ribena and lemonade mixed together. <laughs> um, for a lot of people, from what I can tell, a lot of people actually don't even know what it's like to feel healthy. Mm. They don't even have the comparison because they've been, you know, not through any fault of themselves, they've been brought up on a certain, maybe the standard Australian or New Zealand diet, which is breakfast cereals, bread, pasta, you know, those kinds of meals. You get brought up on this, and so therefore you may never, ever know what it's like to feel Mm. healthy. And then you notice maybe you're not falling pregnant, or maybe 
you're getting migraines or maybe you're not sleeping like you say or maybe you're constantly tired so how do you listen to a body that's not actually functioning that's a really that's a really good point and it's a really tough one because I think from an early age I've always tried to do a little bit of self-analysis when it comes to not just food but around um, psychological things as well you know reacting to certain things in life and is it due to them is it due to me what am I doing you know so yeah a really hard one I suppose one way you could look at it is how do you feel when you go away on holiday Mm. and then how do you feel when you're back in your normal life Mm. because most of us are just so used to working or expecting to to work way more than 40 hours a week and then also you know especially women often women running the household as well so what what is considered normal these days is that we are always tired and it's not normal mm. um so yeah I, I mean energy levels to me says everything mm. if you are exhausted all the time there is something wrong mm. and it might be food it might be looking at the whole way you're living your life the way you're reacting to stresses as well as the ways that you can um, manage better how you respond to things because we can't always change the stresses around us and we need some of those things so it's a whole raft of stuff but we shouldn't be feeling like that all the time it's 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 not common isn't it though um so so as far as gut health is concerned excuse me i know that (laughs) to me everything is coming back to the gut everybody's talking gut health um people say it's a bigger brain that governs the way the body works in the brain itself um that we have so many meters of microbiome and the microbiota is constantly feeding and triggering what occurs within the body is there anything else to you that's um that's just new um data and research around the gut or is it something that's constantly evolving because all i hear is well we're only just discovering this yeah. and now we're discovering this is it the same for you absolutely look i i feel like i probably know 10 percent, 5 percent of the information that's around in terms of the gut microbiome and it seems to be linking into, you know, especially things like autism, ADHD, um, definitely the functioning of the brain, autoimmune type conditions. But you can just about say almost any disease known as Hippocrates said comes back to the gut. Um, it, it is a really complex thing how we break it down at this point. You know, you could take a probiotic that might have six different bacteria in it. Well, look, our microbiome has a heck of a lot more than that. So is that going to have a much of an effect on us or do we need to look more at the diversity in our diet? So I think a lot of people stick to similar foods and they don't, um, you know, change with the seasons. So the more we can really change up the foods that we're having and cycle what we eat, the greater the diversity in your gut microbiome, and that's really important. And then for parents, it's looking at those first three to five years of their kid's life, because that's when you really set up your gut microbiome. And they're finding now that things like, you know, kids that are brought up in families where there's lots of children, or they're brought up in farming districts, where they're basically around other bugs and dirt, (laughs) that their gut microbiome is a whole lot more diverse and um, better and yeah. better ah. yeah mm, makes sense yeah it does i know mm. so all this you know our probably our parents generation got very conscious around hygiene and everything became sanitized 
And that's done us a disservice in terms of our gut microbiome mm. as young kids. And how we change that when we're older seems to get harder. Mm. So, yeah, like I said, still learning. <laughs> so, so with your chronic fatigue, just to finish off your running, did you, you didn't make it to the Olympics? No. What, what happened? So in 2008, after that flu virus, um, I basically felt really bad for a couple of weeks and then tried to get back into training. And my body still wasn't responding. I still was feeling exhausted. I remember I was booked in to do another half marathon in the Gold Coast. I flew over there and I was too exhausted to do it. And I just kept trying. Every time I had a glimmer of hope that maybe I was getting right, I would try and set up my training schedule again and then I would just fall on my face. So I got to the point after about three years um, – Oh, it's probably longer than that. I don't. I just ended up giving up. I got very depressed because I'd suddenly found this thing that was me. I thought, you know, I was an athlete. I am an athlete. I'm a runner. This is what I'm here to do. And I couldn't be that anymore. And I didn't know how to fix it. It wasn't like an injury where someone could tell me, these are the steps that you need to go through. It's going to take you 12 weeks or it's going to take you six months, whatever. I'll do it. I'll get there. So that was the thing that um, I found the hardest so we're now nine years down the track. Um, it was probably only three and a half years ago that I picked up a almost full-time job. Before that, luckily, I was getting funded by a job where I worked two days a month doing TV commercials, and anything more than that would have been too much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've definitely I've got better in terms of day-to-day functioning, but I still have a low tolerance to exercise. Is that right? Yeah, it makes you feel so good. Yeah, it does. Yeah, there's days where... You know, I feel like I'm struggling. In those days, what I have to do is stop and walk. And I don't set a schedule in terms of what I'm going to do for training in the week. I wait till I get up on the day and I see how I feel. Mm. And some days it's yoga and some days it's walking and Pilates. Some days it's weights. Some days I might do some hill reps mm. or do a high-intensity interval training session. But I just don't know. Mm. And I've, I've had to try and let that go so that I don't get frustrated and get more fatigued as a result of that. Yeah, and I think that's a really key thing for anybody, though, is to listen. Unless you are training for the Olympics and you do have a specific schedule. Still got to listen to your body, though. That's true. (laughs) It's true. That's where I feel for athletes, Mm. though, that, you know, I I was talking to Danny about this when he was playing. You know, on the day of the test match, it didn't matter how he felt. He had to perform. And if he didn't perform, you could put it down to how he felt. Or you could say that there was something else wrong. But I just thought, well, you don't get to choose. I had... Many women, when I was running, go, oh, my gosh, i got my period or my period's due this mm-hmm. day. And, and they found that a hindrance. Although when we started doing a lot of our long-distance running, a lot of us lost our periods altogether. Right, yeah. So, um, so hormonally, I guess, exercise, there's good and there's not so good. You can do it and overdo it. So lead us through into then about who you are now today, what you're searching for, and... And what's your biggest challenges and things that you're looking at now? Oh, my biggest challenge is figuring out who I am, Kimmy. Oh, <laughs> it's a very hard that. question. I love that because <laughs> most of us are doing the same thing. And it's okay. Yeah, totally. And and I'm just, you know, I, I am trying to figure out the things that now make me happy if it's not going to be running. What are the other things in my life? And, you know, and I've had to step back and go, well, if I was my best friend, I wouldn't be talking to myself like I have done quite often around the running. Um, and people don't love you for what you've achieved in sport. They love you for who, who you are and how they feel around you. Uh, so for me, 
yeah, I am figuring that out to a certain extent. I never thought I'd get back into nutrition, but I am kind of being pulled in that area a lot more because I've re- I've met all the right sort of people. And through you, Kim, you know, Cindy, I will meet soon, and I'll be doing her course. And I love the fact that she's everything that I've listened to of hers, everything I've read. She's on exactly the same wavelength of how I think about nutrition now. And so it's just nice to know that there is this community of people that seem to think in a similar way. And I'd love to really, I know you use this word quite a lot, but collaborate with all of these people and work together. Because the thing I really find frustrating, and I see this a lot on social media, is people putting out a perspective, let's just talk about nutrition, putting out a perspective on something to do with nutrition and they get absolutely slated by all these other people. Oh. And I think we are all here to try and improve the health of other people. That's our goal. Why are we not working together, taking the best of what we know and sharing information and actually creating a much healthier community? Because we know it's just not now. And the nutrition field in particular, I feel, has been driven by the food industry just like the medical field has been driven by the pharmaceutical industry, it's not working. Mm, it's not, is it? And, and the hard thing is that, unfortunately, the way we want to eat may not have the same margins and the same mm. profitability and, and how we were designed to eat. What's your thoughts then around, um, you know, things like um, health and wellness from a doctor's point of view um, according to Cindy, she's, she's sure she was told that they have around 10 weeks maximum of nutritional education as a part of their seven or eight year degree. And that's usually based around irritability of the gut. So it's not even really around nutrition. What are your thoughts then when we say go and see a holistic integrative doctor mm. where um, they don't have the training but perhaps because of their passion, is that what you're saying it is that makes them integrative, that they're aware of looking at the big picture? Yeah, and I think, look, being a doctor and everything that they have to learn, there's just no way that, that they can know all that stuff as well. But again, that comes back to working together with other health professionals who do know about those those areas. And, and then you're kind of looking at the patient from every different angle in terms of how you can get them healthier. So no, you know, your integrative doctor might not, know enough about nutrition but they know how it can affect the person Mm -hmm. and they've got people that they can link in with who will work on the nutritional side of things so often you will find integrative doctors work very closely Mm -hmm. with other health professionals so they are that's the key isn't it yes they're integrative they're happy to be integrative yeah um there was a dietitian in new zealand i've just gone blank with her name Hmm. um she spoke with us on the pete evans tour when we were over in new zealand her name was, I think it's Karen. Karen's in? Yes. Yes. So Karen spoke very powerfully on stage. Um, has she been banned from the dietitian? Like, is she, is she on the edge or the cusp? Because oh, she speaks very differently Karen. to most. She speaks totally differently. But the funny thing is, so Karen and, and Mickey, Mickey Willardin is another dietitian who I feel is, is very forward thinking. But really, it's both of those girls. It's totally based around science and research. This is what I find hilarious. There's nothing alternative about what they're doing. It's just different from what we were previously taught. And hey, nutrition is a really new field, so of course the information is going to change. But both of them have changed 
with that information. So they've gone, okay, well, what I did before, Mickey's great at this. She'll come out and say, look, you know, she's like me. We used to just read the nutritional profile too, but there's no way I'd do that now. Mm. And it is all based on sound scientific research and literature. Mm. So... You mean both Both, both Mickey ways. and Karen. No, I mean both... Um, so, so for every... Pete Evans, for mm. instance... The gorgeous Pete Evans gets absolutely hammered and annihilated. Oh, he does here. in New Zealand too. He does, yes. okay. So he gets annihilated because they say he's a chef and should just stick to being a chef. He's done the integrative nutrition um, IAN course. He has learned and self-taught himself very much around nutrition and what it's done for him. He told me at one point when he owned all his restaurants and was working the restaurant and bar life that he probably drank more than enough during that period than would last most people a lifetime, which is why now he doesn't drink. Right. Um, <clears throat> he's married Nick, who we both know from New Zealand, who also has had a major shift and um, an absolute love and desire for real whole food eating. So when people like Chef Pete Evans and Karen and yourself and Cindy are all getting not for thinking this way because apparently they don't have the scientific evidence you're telling me that it is there. Totally. Mm. Absolutely. Look, Karen um, was involved in a, a case over in, I think it was South Africa, recently uh, with Professor Tim Noakes, where he was. Now, again, right. this is secondhand information. This is through Karen, so I don't know all the details, but it sounded like the dietitians were very anti the stuff he was putting out, which was all around high-fat, low-carb. Mm-hmm. So this was considered to be pretty out there. Well, he backed it up with research after research after research paper and won the case. Mm. So it, it's not it's not out there. It's just we've evolved in terms of nutrition and, and the information that's there. And I think coming back to Pete Evans, what I laugh at, you know, this recent clip, which we both watched again the other day, where they covered, um, they, they put all the foods that he would recommend on a table. And I'm looking at it, okay, it's... Fresh fruit and vegetables, and they're probably organic. Um, you've got nuts and seeds. You've got meat. You've got fish. You've got fish. You've got all these great foods, and they're going. This is dangerous. This is dangerous. Dangerous. What he's teaching people. And I thought he is actually teaching people how to cook from scratch, which is something that even I have to say I'm pretty useless at. And using whole fresh foods. Now, where is ever going to be the downside of that? If we look at what most New Zealanders and Australians are eating compared to that, it's just miles ahead in terms mm. of nutritional value. It's a bit All like um, Jamie Oliver getting absolutely hammered in the States trying to bring in real food into the tuck shops. Oh, real and things. food? Who would do it? Who? It's so dangerous. <laughs> it, you, you just reminded me of something very funny. I, mean, I think this is very funny, listeners, that we have a dietitian, a nutritionist, we have someone who's very passionate about food. But reckon she can't cook. I just, <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. I, I assemble. It's where I, I get some <laughs> fresh raw ingredients and I put them together. I, I call it assembly. I can't really call that cooking. No, my husband is a very good cook. He will normally cook the meat portion portion of our meal, and I will make up a big salad. I do do breakfasts, as you know. You do an amazing job. I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> 
<laughs> that you don't find that you're a great cook. But that's the, the same thing for many people. They might love good food, but they might not know what to cook. Yeah. So would your recommendation on that be then? <laughs> like what's what's the foundation for good eating to you? Like lots of veggies, how many ve- like veggies at every meal? Absolutely. Like yes, that's what I try to do is veggies at every meal. And look, we juice every day as well. We, um, we have a great juicer, a cold-pressed juicer, where we put vegetables through it. And it's pretty much all your non-starchy green vegetables. Um, so in that alone, we'd probably get four serves of vegetables. Um, we would then, on top of that, have mushrooms, kale, uh, avocado, tomatoes, maybe spinach in our breakfast meal. So, you know, by the time we've finished breakfast alone, we've probably had at least nine serves of vegetables. And then we keep going. Mm-hmm. So lunch would be some more and dinner would be some more. Um, so, yes, that would be the, the foundation I'm not a vegan at all. Uh, We do have all types of meat. We keep the fat on our meat. We try to buy organic when we can. Um, And then the fats that we use, again, would just be unrefined fats. We do use butter. Um, New Zealand, it's all grass-fed, so (laughs) you don't have to go out of your way to get that. Quite a bit of grass there. (laughs) Same with our beef. You know, I find it hilarious when they advertise grass-fed beef in New Zealand. It's like, come on, guys, it's pretty much all grass-fed here. (laughs) You can't charge extra for that. Um, You know, chicken, we leave the skin on it now. Uh, We use coconut oil. We use ghee. Ghee, yeah, we use um, extra virgin olive oil. And we have a lot of these things locally. The other thing I'm very big on uh, with gut health is having two or three serves of fermented foods a day. So mm. we've got some beautiful kombuchas in Matakana. Um, we have things like sauerkraut, kimchi. We use all those types of things. I've started to try and do some of these things myself, but my main issue is I'm really impatient. There's other <laughs> things that I'd rather be doing. And, yes, you have to spend a little bit more to buy them, but they're still just as good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And what's your favourite sweet treat? What does a dietitian like you eat? Do you know what? I died until I came over here, Kimmy. <laughs> Give it up anything sweet. I have Since I have gone high fat, low carb, I do not it. get the sugar cravings. When I was an athlete on a high carb diet, I literally would need to eat every two or three hours. And I would crave sugars, carbohydrates. When you don't have them, you don't crave them. Yes. You literally don't. But I do love um, Kimmy's. <laughs> Kimmy's caramel slice. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, nice the raw one. one. I love your cheesecake, yes. which is all raw as well. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't make them at home. And no. Yeah. If I'm there and I start eating them, then I have a tendency to want them. If I don't have them there, I don't. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a pretty good way. I'll come to your house and have those. Yeah, they, this is your treat. And I do that because of the kids. Yeah. Well, so she says. Um, but it's beautiful, healthy stuff. I, you know, it yeah. is lovely. Tell me then, as far as like your chronic fatigue is still an issue. Yeah. Um, how are you managing that? What do you do to look after you? Yeah. Um, I, I've got really good at not feeling like I, I think initially with my chronic fatigue one of the things I found really hard is I constantly felt like I was letting people down because I would um, make a plan to go for dinner with someone uh, or do something in the evening with people and then I would get to that day and I, I just I was exhausted and I would just always end up cancelling so now I'll tend to organize catch-ups if I know I'm you know going through a bit of a phase because sometimes I overdo it uh, and I go through a couple of weeks of feeling a bit exhausted again. I'll try and meet up in the daytime, you know, make daytime meets rather than nighttime. And I'll say no to things. I don't feel obliged to always do things. Um, if I need to get extra sleep, I will go back and have a nap in the daytime. I'm lucky that 
working for myself, I can do that. Um, I try to moderate the alcohol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I get a little bit carried away and get excited with that sort of thing. Well, especially when we win the America's Cup. Well, especially mean. when we win the America's <laughs> Cup, yeah. Um, and I've learned too, because I know my personality type is a type A competitive um, personality type, that I've, I've learned to do slow things, which mm. I used to really struggle with. But when I do do it regularly, like meditation, yoga, we've got lots of yoga studi- studios where we are, but I've also done it online through Gaia, which I love. Those things really make me feel a whole lot better. Mm. Getting to sleep at a good hour. Yeah, yeah, I'm really sleep routines. Um, putting things like lavender on my pillow, pillow, turning down the lights before I go to bed, reading when I go to bed, getting away from the blue light, all that sort of stuff is absolutely crucial for me and I need at least eight hours. Mm. So mm. I just, I don't commit to yeah. <laughs> at least, you know, doing things with people really early in the morning often. Yeah, well, I love that about you though and I love the fact that you actually make it okay. And then the best thing is that people get the best out of Marnie when they get her, yeah. when you've allowed for that. So how do you work in then, um, you've now moved an hour north of Auckland. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your business and what you're doing, what your goal is. Right, well, what I've done is set up, my goal really is to um, work in the area of health and be able to do it from anywhere in the world because I also really love travelling. And in a few years' time, we'll probably doing it, be doing a little bit more. So I've set up a business called Perky after my last name, Perkinson, my new last name. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and obviously based around energy because having had chronic fatigue for a period of time, I you know, I know firsthand how it affects every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Right through, you know, relationships, libido, um, work, socializing, how you feel about yourself, uh, just everything. Your your mood um, you know, whether you can see things through positive eyes or whether you start to get quite negative about things. So one, you know, I think the best way um, that we can tell if we're not right is our energy levels. So Perky is around nutrition advice, it's around exercise advice and lifestyle that will help people to be their most Perky. I've also got affiliates with certain products that I really believe in. Um, I have worked on a TV shopping channel before, and one of the things I really didn't enjoy is sometimes pushing products I don't believe in. Mm. So all of these I've used, I've trialed, I know they're fantastic. There's often science to back them up. Mm. Um, So I feel really good about being able to help other people to use some of these things that will help them to be Mm. a little bit more perky in their lives. Yeah, and also it's nice to have someone like you that has done the research has looked around and it's nice to go to one place. Is it? Tell us the website. So it's perky.nz, P-E-R-K-Y.nz. So perky.co.nz. No, just .nz. Oh, dot .nz. .nz. Yeah. Okay, so remember that, listeners. Perky.co.nz. <laughs> no, 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 go. Perky.nz. That's <laughs> the new one. Okay. Yeah, it's a new one. Very cool, very mm-hmm. cool. And you're also about to enroll in the Health and Lifestyle <laughs> Education yes. Programme. So I think it's extraordinary that you're going to do both Cindy's and mine, which is kind of like the inside and the outside story at the same I know. time. So, you have become very conscious also with your chronic fatigue around environmental pollutants and mm-hmm. chemicals and things like that. Was it a quick wipeout for you when you started realizing that or was it a gradual, oh, I'm not going to use that anymore? Yeah, well, if some things just an utter wipeout 
immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Other things, yeah, gradual. I mean, things like um, skincare and makeup and all those sorts of things. Yes, I really want to go natural. Sometimes I've tried things and then not liked it, and then I've gone back to the old one and then gone. I just need to try some new ones. Um, so yeah, that's been a little bit of a process. Uh, finding, you know, also cleaning products that weren't ridiculously expensive because mm-hmm. often the natural ones really are. But that's what I l- I'm really looking forward to with your course, Kim, is being able to make some of these things up myself and actually help other people to, you know, find really easy ways that we can do this at home. Yep. You don't have to spend a fortune. They smell incredible. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, that's such a nice thing with the oils. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And But, but that, that you just brought up a good point. When we, you know, something that's not so natural works so brilliantly, as we think it does, mm. then to find the alternatives. And I've done the same, spent a fortune on products or things that I've taken home only to discover that it actually makes your hair really limp or yeah. or you notice your skin's now got a bit of a dry thing to it. So are there any daily rituals that you do um either as you're adapting to new products or things that have supported you on a daily basis? Like body brushing or like mm. you said lavender on the pillow mm. like are there certain things that you do on a daily basis yeah uh, on a daily basis and i've started adding my essential oils to this actually i've been doing this for a few months now um i would always now i know you call it body boosting i've yeah. kind of been doing a similar thing i suppose myself so i will have a natural uh, oil base that i've put and i've often been using frankincense in it now I've been adding peppermint and lavender because those Yum. two in your course were just amazing. And I will just put that all over my body and then smell it on my hands and, and you know, say an intention for the day. Um, in terms of the body care as well, um, I've always used an exfoliant that I'll do once or twice a week, whether it's the brush or whether it's um, gloves that I use. That's another thing. Um, I exfoliate my face with a natural enzyme exfoliator every week. I've kind of had rituals around skincare since, to be honest, I was probably 13 years old. Yeah. So I've just added things to them, um, you know, taking things away as I don't like them. Mm. Yeah, I'm a bit of a rituals person when it comes to those sorts of things. Nice, actually. Yeah. And do you find that, um, what's your go-to when you are stressed? Like, what do you, if you've been full on or you can't make a decision or life's busy or you're just challenged, Mm. what's your go-to's? My go-to, I, I tend to kind of spend some time on my own um, and I'll sit down, I often write things down in terms of how I'm thinking and how I want to feel. Um, reading is a really good way to, to chill myself out sometimes, but I definitely find getting out of my head and putting things down on paper helps me to get a little bit clear, clearer picture because my mind goes all over the place. <laughs> I understand how you feel. <laughs> that's one of my hardest issues is actually just keeping it on the straight and narrow and not getting distracted by a whole lot of other things yeah when mm. bright shiny object girls bright shiny Cindy, object. Cindy's the same <laughs> I think she'd be chuckling right now um, so Cindy has just been over to America which is why she's not here and Karen's been away as well they're both we're all getting busier and busier which is why it's getting harder and harder to get us all together but Cindy just happened to have completed her TEDx tour, which we got to watch together. So cool. Is that another ritual of yours, any certain books or looking at TEDx or podcasts? Is that something that's popular for you? I have done in the past, to be honest, not so much lately. Um, you're studying so much. Yeah, well, I am. I am I'm kind of always reading. Like Alan 
my husband thinks I'm just on the phone looking at Facebook. I'm reading article after article after article around Well, there you go, guys. That's what we can say we're doing. I'm not on Facebook. (laughs) I'm reading a really important research article. (laughs) Well, I am, but it took me to another website off Facebook (laughs) so I could read that article. Um, So, sorry, yeah, what was the question again? So, like, is it around, do you like TEDx talks? Like, what are the things that inspire you? Certain books, readers, Certain books, people. Though these days, the books that I read are more just to wind me down. So I try not to read anything that's too stimulating. But um, yeah, in the in the past, I've read a lot of biographies. Mm-hmm. I find um, people with big dreams and different ways of doing things, and um, just living the life that they want to always really inspires me. And I think that started from way back when I was a kid, just looking at what my brother did. Mm-hmm. So he's always been one of these people that doesn't go with the flow you know his first job well not his first job but he spent a long period of time working on boats where he only did six months of the year working and the rest of the time was traveling nice um so yeah people that just find their own way and find their own path and reading biographies about them i find really inspiring yeah it's nice isn't Mm. it and tell me you are now married not even for one year no how is married life (laughs) Your first marriage, too. Um, People expect at my age it must be my second. (laughs) I know, I know. It cracks me up. But how is married life? It's fabulous. It's really good. And and I'm kind of lucky that, this is, I don't know whether this is a bad thing to say, but I've never wanted to have kids of my own. And so I suppose I've never felt this pressure that I need to find a man now Mm. and settle down and have babies. So... It took me till I was, I think I was 43 when I met Alan, got set mm. up on a blind date, to then, because I always knew that it would feel right, it would just be, this is the guy, and that's exactly what it was like. So, yeah, it took a wee while, but I'm so glad that I waited till I found that person. It's a really good point, actually, isn't it? Don't settle for anything other than what you are. Mm. Karen never had children either, and... I look at her as someone who's so inspiring and still has incredibly uh, beautiful mothering, nurturing qualities. You've got three stepchildren. Who are way taller than me. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, it's not hard. (laughs) Um, Tell me, if I could wave a magic wand, what would your dream for either yourself, your family, or the planet be? Where are you at with that? Look, I think for for family and friends, is, it's all about health. I want everyone to be healthy and happy. I know that's my strap line for Perky, but it's very hard to, to really have a great life if you don't have your health. Mm. It's absolutely crucial. And then when you've got that and you've got energy, then you've got more to give to everyone else, and then you make everyone else's life a whole lot better. So, mm. yeah, it's health. It's health and... And, and wellness and, and happiness for my family, yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing, and it's it seems such a simple thing to say, but it's actually one of the most profound things that we find ourselves working for or working towards. Mm. Um, sometimes I think we forget the little things in life, you know, the importance of just putting bare feet on the sand and mm. acknowledging things like as simple as that or watching someone giggling and laughing or seeing a funny movie or... I mean, we, we've had a ball this week with you staying here. <laughs> and I just, I crack up every time we think of Hunt for the Wilder People. And, and it's just our little, our little, you know, no child left behind. Um, you know, we just, I think laughter is a really big thing, isn't it? Girlfriends yeah. and connections. 
I mean, we're very lucky that our husbands get on very well, so it's a really beautiful foursome when we get together. Yeah, I think is. that connection of tribe and the fact that you guys have moved an hour north of Auckland is a bit like us being an hour north of Brisbane, yeah. although there's a lot more people here on the Sunshine Coast. But what I love about what you've done is going into a new community, you have sourced all, like whenever I go there, you've sourced all the nice natural organic um, shops, cafes, beautiful supermarkets. And, I mean, are you like me where you're just seeing more and more popping up? And yeah, it definitely seems, you know, the whole Matakana area is a little bit of a hub for for new healthy businesses. There's some really cool business ideas and things that are people people are doing up there. And, yeah, I'm constantly looking out for new stuff. And there, there is. There's always new things cropping up. Mm. Um, so that's really exciting. And not being an hour out of the city, we have just and by the beach yeah you know we've really noticed the difference in the way we feel Mm -hmm. um my husband his blood pressure was going right up in town you know and it was really just from the stress levels Mm -hmm. and just that one thing of moving up to the beach and like so you know having putting your feet on the sand every day and getting in the water every day in summer and getting out on the boat and doing all those wonderful things and and not feeling that vibe you know i wake up in in the city and it's just go, 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 go. You can feel mm. the kind of urgency. It's kind of cool when It's kind of cool when you're young. Yeah. Like I look at Taylor oh, yeah. and Jacob, hey, and they're in the city and they're loving the life. And, the, and I remember that feeling when I was young. Mm. But I think there's a reason why as we get older we, we pull away from that. And that's probably because we're exhausted from raising those kids, I'd just say. <laughs> um, but, you know, from your perspective, is there anything that – you feel is important for women in particular around relationships, around self-care, around self-worth that you have noticed particularly around women acknowledging or not acknowledging? Is it time for women to get back to to really believing in it? Like what's your thoughts around women? Oh, see, this is, and I've had this discussion with you. This is this is a tough one for me because I think I've always been pretty good at self-care. <laughs> now, you get, some people have called that selfishness, but, <laughs> but I've always thought I've got to be true to myself and I've got to do the things that make me feel healthy and happy. And if I, you know, relationships in the past that I've got into where I've stopped doing those things, I have come out a not particularly nice person. Um, but I think so many women are not like me and they do have families that their priority is always to the child first or to a partner. Um, you know, like even my mum who was nursing my dad with cancer for four years and she made the comment to me the other day that she doesn't feel that she's really looked after herself since then because the care was always on someone else. But that is... That generally is a woman, and that's what I see. Mm. And they just run themselves into the ground, and then... Do you think it's martyrdom? Like, do you think it's possible to be a mother from an outsider looking in? Is it possible for a mother to have, to do self-care? Well, I think so, but again, I, because I'm not in that situation myself. I think I'm, I'm a part-time stepmom. I know, but I think sometimes <laughs> when you have an outside... Like, I don't know, I notice now that I'm older, my children are teenagers... And I look at some mothers, and this is no disrespect to them because we're all doing the best that we can, but it's almost like we become a martyr to it because we think, oh, no one else is going to do it. Mm. No one else will do it for us. Or on top of that, we find that um, 
it's almost expected of us to be fully go, go, go. So one of the things that I learned, particularly when my children were young, is I certainly was very blessed to have a mum that allowed us to go for a date night every now and again. Hello, Misha. Um, We were allowed to go on a date like, you know, once a month or we created some space and time for us or the kids, as they got older, learnt that mummy would have a 10-minute bath. And sometimes I think women think that taking time out has to take a lot of time, but I'd like to encourage women that just even sitting there and having a a glass of kombucha while the kids are running rampant sometimes is a great way. Just it's micro moments of self-care. Yeah. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. And it it, it is that. And and I think a lot of people see, a lot of women see self-care as, well, maybe um, at the end of the year Mm. I'll go on a holiday and I'll take seven days off or something. But, you know, the kids will probably be with them then too. But they don't do it on a daily basis. And, And actually looking after yourself, it should be sometimes several times a day you just stop and you take a moment and you do something for yourself. Mm. It shouldn't be all banked up to, yes. <laughs> to the and, end of the year. And often at the end of the year you're so exhausted. <laughs> you go on holiday, yeah. you relax for the first week, then you're sick. Uh, yeah, Because <laughs> you've true. just relaxed. Yeah. I agree, I agree. Um, is there anything else you'd love to tell our listeners about what you're doing or um, any advice that you'd have? Because I think it's extraordinary that... As a qualified dietitian, you are now about to do Cindy's course. Mm. You're also doing my course on self-care, even though you're good at it. So you're both good at being a dietitian and you're good at self-care, yet you're extending yourself to learn more. Can you tell me why? Well, a lot of that, um, I think, Kim, with your course that I'm really interested in um, is around the essential oils and using something that's plant-based and natural to replace so many things that are in our households right now. So cleaners, for example, um, skincare products that are chemical, um, using it for first aid type things, using it to help you sleep. You know, if I could get rid of our entire medical kit, and I believe in medicine, I believe there's a place for medicine, and especially in emergency medicine, but I just don't believe that what we stock in our houses should be our first line of defence. Having, you know, essential oils that we can use when we've got a cold and to clear out congestion and all those sorts of things and to help with headaches, um, I want to be able to have formulas and to use those first. Mm. So that was one of my really strong interests around doing your course as well. And then, of course, all the natural skincare and just learning more about that. But having sat in on your graduation weekend, um, what I also really loved and why I want to do it is it's a self-exploration type thing. And I've changed so much through this chronic fatigue that there, there were times where I really didn't know who I was. And... And it's just getting reminders about who you are, learning more about yourself with personalities and how you deal with things and, and how to create better relationships with other people. I love all your personality mapping and things that you do there. Um, that's what I'm really excited about doing. It's just a, a big refresher and then a whole lot of new learning about natural, yeah, chemical-free living. And then Cindy's? Cindy's, I have been trying to find a course in New Zealand that can upskill me and get me up to date with all the research that's come out, but it is not along the lines of the nutrition I learned at university. That's not what I want to do. And it's been really hard trying to find something. So when you put me on Cindy's course and I started watching some of her things, the fit is just perfect. Mm. So I'm really you excited are so to do that. Gonna love her. <laughs> and then you're going to love to meet Karen when you meet her and understand all the beautiful things that she teaches. I think it's a real... It's a real privilege. And, and you know what you inspire me about is the fact that 
You are someone who wants to keep learning, but you're also very willing to share the knowledge. I encourage you all to go to perky.nz. I encourage you all to follow her Instagram page, which is perky.nz. And um, she does some great posts on there. There's there's a strutting poodle at the markets oh, just recently yes, there is. Um, with her clax cart. <laughs> um, I think the other thing about you, my darling, is that you make people smile. You're a beautiful looking woman. You have an amazing body. You're incredibly you're stunning. Kind. You are. And, and I really cannot wait for Australia to get to know more about you. Aww. We're going to be working a lot more together over yeah, the next while. excited about that. I'm really excited to have you a part of, of our vision as well. And I know Cindy's going to be so proud to have you as, a, um, and as, as an example and as one of her functional nutritional teachers. spread the word in New Zealand a little bit more will be great. I think so. I mean, Australia and New Zealand are so closely linked on so many levels except when it comes to the All Blacks and the Wallabies um, <laughs> and the Silver Ferns. But, um, but let's just say that um, as a fellow Kiwi, it's a, it's a privilege and love you dearly, my friend. Oh, and, and I think our listeners are going to love this podcast and I'm very, very grateful to you. So listeners, I think if you're as excited as I am and you're incredibly humbled by this woman as I am, I think you'll enjoy everything she has to offer. Please follow her at PerkyNZ on Instagram perky.nz on her website and watch this space i would imagine in about six months time we're going to have this little pocket rocket um, hit australia and new zealand and if you've got any questions for her don't forget to go to our facebook page all the w's facebook.com forward slash up for a chat don't forget to also go to the wellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat Please don't forget to give us a five-star rating, even if you don't get to hear all three of us all of the time. I think you can see that we're all still very strongly connected and have a huge love and respect for one another. Um, We've paid the deposit for the Africa trip now, so if anyone was sitting on the verge of going to Africa, now is the time if you really do want to secure a place. And of course, don't forget New Zealand. We are all super pumped and charged to go hiking in New Zealand in at the end of October this year. So listeners, I hope that you've enjoyed today as much as I have. I know that Cindy, Karen and I send you all our love, our hugs and our best wishes. And we look forward to seeing you at the same time next week where we will get to uh, carry on creating a ripple effect that's changing the world. Take care, guys. Look after yourselves. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.